IDC acknowledges that in some sectors of the global server market, there is a noticeable shift from buying infrastructure for own use as opposed to paying for compute resources from data center and cloud service providers. Paul Magranis, Senior Research Analyst, IDC Infrastructure Platforms and Technologies, says, We certainly see areas of reduced spending, but this was offset by investments made by large cloud builders and enterprises targeting solutions that support shifting infrastructure needs caused by the global pandemic. In fact, investments in Asia-Pacific were also particularly strong, growing at 31% year-over-year, according to the analyst. Welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. In today's episode, we are joined by Rajneesh Arora, Vice President, Enterprise Computing for IDC Asia-Pacific. Rajneesh, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you, Alan, and it's a pleasure to be joining you today for a scintillating conversation. What is IDC's definition of servers? Servers, uh, I mean, I think we're really starting to move beyond the definition of a server or a box or a system. A server basically is a multi-user system that delivers compute services to run workloads. And the workloads could be traditional business critical workloads or next generation modern workloads running in virtual instances or workloads that are running on bare metal or increasingly more and more in containers. So that's what the definition of a server is. What is IDC's assessment of the overall server market in Asia, particularly as we start to hear a lot more organizations migrating to the cloud across the spectrum of businesses? And this includes small businesses all the way to the large enterprises. I think uh, we need to break this up into a few parts. So one is uh, the demand for servers continues to grow at a fairly accelerated pace. The demand is driven to a large extent by the public cloud providers in that sense. But when you look at the public cloud providers, whatever growth that they are seeing in terms of their infrastructure build out is not entirely driven by a shift of workloads from an on-prem traditional infrastructure or private cloud to the public cloud. Yes, there is that shift taking place. But in addition to that, there's a whole uh, slew of B2C services, business consumer services that are being rolled out, which are starting to drive the demand for public cloud infrastructure. So for, let's say, for instance, the whole the Uber economy or the Grab economy. You know, these were services that never existed five years ago. And a lot of these companies that are delivering these services, typically they tend to start in the public cloud because they start small and evolve over a period of time. And many of these services, as they become big or massive or, or hyperscale, then they are also looking at, okay, can we build some of the infrastructure in an on-prem environment? Can we use a hybrid, which is a mix of private and public cloud? A great example is Netflix. If you look at Netflix, when they probably started 10 years ago or whatever time frame, they probably had a large part of their infrastructure out in the public. Cloud. Today, Netflix has a fairly large infrastructure of their own as well, which they could be co-hosting in a third-party data center, but they own the manage all the resources, while at the same time, they also tend to use a lot of public cloud resources. So at the end of the day, uh, the conversation that every organization needs to go through is, okay, what's the business value? Where do we tend to drive the most value of having the infrastructure? Is it an on-prem or in an off-prem public cloud environment? Among business critical applications, what are the top three reasons why there are still enterprises that prefer to stay on-prem? Do you expect this to continue despite the fact that we are seeing a lot more interest among leadership to migrate to the cloud? You know, the whole definition of business critical applications is kind of a little increasingly a little nebulous because there are many applications today 
that I can define as business critical versus the traditional definition of or legacy definition of a business critical application, which was your core application that would run your business operation. So if it was a bank, it would be the core banking platform or the payments infrastructure. Or if you're talking of a telecom company, it's the core business critical application is the billing system or the mediation systems or the CDR systems that keep a track of their call data records. Uh, those are the kind of def applications that I would define as business critical application, which are the heartbeat of any large enterprise. A lot of these applications still tend to run in an on-prem environment, but more and more organizations are saying, can we sort of move them off traditional platforms and run them in a private cloud environment where we have a lot more control, visibility. In addition to that, many of these applications are very latency sensitive. They tend to drive high transaction rates. And because of that reason, uh, many organizations, larger organizations tend to be running these still in a private cloud environment or in a on a traditional infrastructure like a mainframe or a Unix platform. Uh, given the higher levels of resiliency, performance, security required, these applications would probably exist in an on-prem environment probably for a much longer period of time. I would say for the foreseeable future, for the next five, seven, eight years, I don't think we're going to see mass migration of these applications into the public. But then also what happens is, let's say, for example, you go to a country like India or China and where there are these very small regional, provincial cooperative banks. Now, they can't afford to have their own core banking infrastructure. So what is starting to happen is there are service providers that are emerging that are providing core banking services or payment services to these small, smaller or mid-sized organizations because the cost of IT is fairly significant for them to maintain their own interest. Not only that, what is also interesting is the rate of innovation because smaller organization, one of the key things to thrive and succeed in this new era is the rate of innovation. And that's where many of the public cloud providers are starting to shine, where they can innovate because they have large, extremely large infrastructure, large teams, uh, large human capital that can drive innovation at a much greater pace than many of the mid-sized organizations. Looking specifically at the server marketplace, huh? what is your assessment regarding server hardware and operating systems? I mean, you broached the idea of mainframes. Do Are we still seeing the old mainframes and the OS? Or are we starting to see a migration to the Linux type of environment? There are organizations that are very large organizations. Uh, some of the largest public sector entities like tax authorities in many countries, immigration systems, if you look at the financial services, payment infrastructure systems, payment processing systems, we're looking at core banking systems, or, or even airline reservation systems. The scale of transaction that they want to process, the kind of security that they need, mainframe will continue to shine in many of these very specific environments. But what is also happening is, and IBM has done a phenomenal job of not only making sure that they deliver value for the traditional workloads, the ZOS, uh, the MBS workload, but at the same time also ensure that the mainframes remain relevant in this new era. A lot of the mainframes today are also being used for very large uh, Linux environments. Organizations that are traditional mainframe users, as well as organizations that have previously never used a mainframe and are using the mainframe exclusively for a very large Linux environment because that's where the security, the manageability, and the ease of operation kind of tends to shine uh, in very large environments. Uh, but mainframe is not the platform for every organization, as I would say. IBM, as you rightly mentioned, okay, they're, I think they're the most dominant mainframe provider at this point in time. 
But there are organizations that are, okay, they're an IBM mainframe on-prem, but they're also looking to the cloud as an option for them. Is there a bridge that would allow them to keep their core systems running on mainframes and still allow them to run it partly in the cloud? Can that work? Um, Yes, absolutely. A great question because any large organization, they don't have 5, 10, 15, 20 applications. They have hundreds of applications. Uh, If you go into banks, they have thousands of applications. Uh, Even if you take the long tail out, they still have a few hundred fairly large applications. And a lot of what these organizations are starting to go through is a rationalization process. Which are the workloads we really need to absolutely must run in an on-prem environment? And which are the workloads we can actually take into the public cloud? And actually, a lot of organizations are doing that. And especially workloads that require a lot more elasticity, a lot more dynamic scaling capability, bursting capability, applications that are customer-facing or running at the edge. The workload requirements are a lot less predictable. Those workloads are starting to sort of be moved into the public cloud. Now, the key is, how do you then build a seamless workload management platform, what we call a hybrid cloud management platform, so that it enables seamless movement of data and application across the different destinations. And the destination could be private cloud, public cloud, a traditional infrastructure, and even private cloud. Some of it is going to be run in a hosted environment off-prem, and some of it could be in an on-prem environment. What is starting to happen is that cloud is now starting to become more of an experience rather than a destination. Because even when we talk of our future of digital infrastructure, we talk of everything being cloud enabled. So all the products, platforms, technologies, solutions and services around infrastructure, they have to be cloud enabled. And the key is, how do you ensure seamless mobility of applications and data? Multi-cloud, you haven't broached it. You spoke very well about the hybrid cloud. Do you see multi-cloud as an option for organizations in in Asia specifically? So hybrid cloud is really sort of the higher level uh, nomenclature for a multi-cloud. So it could be using multiple clouds in a multi-cloud environment. But if there's low levels of interoperability, which means if I'm running a workload in, say, AWS, and that exists in that silo of AWS, and there are workloads that I'm running in Google Cloud that are in the silo of a Google Cloud, then there's low levels of interoperability, and that's not true hybrid cloud, according to our definition. But as you build seamless connectivity between these different clouds, on-prem, off-prem, various public clouds, and you're able to move applications and data seamlessly as business requirements change, as your technology requirements change, that then is the true nirvana definition of hybrid cloud. Edge cloud, started to hear that last year. What do you see will be critical trends for edge cloud in 2021? See, I think uh, still a little early days for 2021, but there are certain industries where edge is starting to become extremely important and is a key part of the whole digital innovation that they're trying to drive. So whether it is transportation industry, whether it is logistics business, retail, or even in an industry like healthcare, the definition of the edge is not necessarily, it has to be a geographically dispersed. The edge could be the edge points uh, in a campus location or in a large hospital environment. Anything that's not part of the core that can become sort of an edge. So, and I think when we talk about the edge cloud, it's basically more in the context of a geographically dispersed location. You have infrastructure and is there a cloud-based platform to deliver compute storage and network services to run that infrastructure, to run these lightweight as well as heavyweight workloads running at the edge location. 
Now, the edge location, for example, in a utilities or a mining environment could be out in the field where uh, an organization is doing oil exploration or uh, they're doing all kinds of mining and exploration. They're running those services and there could be a cloud required to run those workloads or microservices. As we look to 2021, what are your views with regards to what will characterize the server marketplace in Asia? In particular, which type of verticals will be sticking with on-prem and those that are moving totally to the cloud? See, I think uh, 2021, 22, next couple of years, organizations that one, first of all, have a very large infrastructure of their own that they've built over the past 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Those are the organizations uh, that will tend to I wouldn't say stick to private cloud, but they'll have a fairly, they'll maintain their large investments in an on-prem environment because they have the size, the scale, kind of support their own infrastructure. Now, what is also important to remember is that public cloud kind of started to shine 10 years ago, seven, eight years ago, because the software tools and capabilities were not available at that point in time that could enable organizations, CIOs to deliver cloud-like experience and cloud-like capabilities in their own environment. Today, when we talk about the whole software-defined intelligence, AI machine learning-driven infrastructure, AI-driven IT, autonomous IT, we are really talking about the same public cloud experience in an on-prem, in a private cloud environment. And that's the reason why We've actually also seen uh, some repatriation of workloads back from public cloud into private cloud because organizations felt that, look, we can deliver much greater value today at a lower cost point than the public cloud. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that'll be true for every organization. So a lot of the mid-sized organizations, a lot of rapidly growing e-commerce, digital businesses, they'll continue to use public cloud extensively. So I wouldn't disparage public cloud and say, look, is there anything wrong? I think... There is room for both of them to coexist, private and public, because if you look at even many of the public cloud providers today, uh, they're starting to offer their technology, their platform to be deployed in an on-prem environment or a private cloud deployment so that the customer can build a seamless hybrid cloud, you know, the ability to seamlessly connect. So whether you look at uh, Google with the GCP stack, whether you look at Microsoft with the Azure stack, or even increasingly Amazon aggressively pushing its uh, Amazon output, which is nothing but taking their entire IP of public cloud stack and helping customers build that same experience in their own controlled environment. So I think everyone is starting to come to realization that we need to be a lot more rational in our decision-making uh, process when we look at our portfolio of workloads, applications, and microservices, which ones we want to run in an on-prem environment, what's the business value that we're going to drive out of that, and what are the workloads that provide best fit in a public cloud environment. Rajneesh, as always, thank you for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, and have a great day ahead. That was Abnish Arora, Vice President, Enterprise Computing, IDC Asia Pacific, speaking to us at length on key trends impacting servers on-prem and on its various incarnations in the cloud, including private, public, hybrid, and multi-cloud. You are listening in to Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, please email us at editors at society.com. Please like and subscribe this channel so that you can be notified of future episodes. See you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Stay safe and bye for now.